When you are looking for ways to stand out amongst the competition, custom-branded merchandise is a great investment for your brand. If you need custom t-shirts, hoodies, polos, hats, or other items, then you need to call The Merch Man. The Merch Man specializes in custom items for businesses, bands, artists, brands, and more. The Merch Man offers screen print, direct-to-garment, and embroidery for small orders or big bulk orders. We also offer online store setup and a complete fulfillment center with the best profit margin in the industry for qualifying applicants. Call The Merch Man today at 304-362-2131. That's 304-362-2131. Custom merch fast and at its finest. Well, good morning. Rise and shine. I don't understand morning people. What a glorious day. Sun shining, birds chirping. We should be able to hit these people. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Huh? I guess it's that time. About that time. It's showtime. Welcome to the Brian Reznor Experiment. Here's your host, Brian Reznor. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome to the Brian Reznor Experiment. I am Brian Reznor, and this show definitely took a lot longer than I expected it to take. We are a week late and uh, a couple dollars short, but we are here, and we've got a great show for you today. And today's show is going to come out on a Monday. This is a Monday when, when you're hearing this. Maybe if you heard it on the day it came out, but also we are doing another show on Wednesday and then we will be locked into the new schedule. The new schedule is every Wednesday. You will get a brand new episode of the Brian Reznor experiment. Hopefully that's that. That's the goal. At least, you know, I'm trying to stick to goals. One way that you can keep posted on exactly what content you're getting and when you're getting it is to stay in tune with the focus group of res. You can find that on Facebook. We are on Facebook. Make sure you give us a like on Facebook and make sure you join the focus group of res. Also follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram and follow us anywhere that you see us walking, because I promise you we're going somewhere awesome. Like today, we're talking to actress, model, writer, director, and more. Miss Miranda Martin, who has been in 21 Bridges with Chadwick Boseman and Army of the Dead with Dave Bautista. Like today, we are talking to actress, model, writer, director, and more, Miss Miranda Martin. Also today, we have a discussion panel on weight loss. We're bringing in three guests that all lost a ton of weight very different ways. They'll share their stories, and maybe we'll learn something about losing some weight. Coming up next, Nick Ledford's going to join me, and we are going to talk about a little bit of an update from last week's uh, show where we talked about these kids planning a possible school shooting in Florida. I've got more information on that, and I will fill you in coming up next. But directly next, it's time for Late News Breaking. We'll be right back. Your systems are offline. The Brian Reznor Experiment on Superior Radio Network. First, there were $1,000 designer sweatpants with boxers sticking out of the top. Then there were sweaters that looked like you made a mistake with the washing machine. Now there's even more. Step up your lazy look in new tank tops with built-in bra straps that won't stay up. Tight booty shorts that already have skanky G-string panties sticking out. Welcome back, whale tail. And for older gals, yoga pants with bunched-up granny panties already stuffed inside. Fashion just got a whole lot stinkier at Balenciaga for stinking rich snobs. 
What started with pumpkin spice lattes has now taken over the world. Pumpkin spice margarine, pumpkin spice fettuccine, pumpkin spice Pringles. Now everything comes with pumpkin spice, like pumpkin spice ale. Drink too much, get sick, even your yak will smell like pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice proactive. Sure, it doesn't get rid of your pimples, but makes each one look like a little pumpkin. Oh, not feeling so fresh, ladies? Rub a little pumpkin spice on it. You'll feel good enough to eat. Who doesn't love a mouthful of pumpkin pie? Pumpkin spice is fat-free, calorie-free, gluten-free, and now 27% more pumpkin-y. Mr. President, trouble in the Middle East? Why not bomb them with pumpkin spice? Everything in the world's all right. Now that everything's made with pumpkin spice. Mother pumpkin, yeah. SRN presents Late News Breaking. In entertainment news, Patton Oswalt is canceling shows that won't institute COVID restrictions because he doesn't think people should die to hear his comedy. But hey, it's better than living and hearing Larry the Cable Guy's comedy. Jennifer Aniston broke down in tears during her appearance on Ellen. Now you know how we feel, responded Ellen's employees. Aniston says she wants her next relationship to be with someone not in the industry. So I guess she's finally down to date David Schwimmer. Dr. Phil is urging people to get the COVID vaccine, so take it from a respected medical professional. And also Dr. Phil. You're not a doctor, Phil. Britney Spears is engaged to her longtime boyfriend. Sorry, dude, that is not enough reason for me to learn your name. Britney Spears is taking a break from Instagram. Apparently, her nipples were getting sunburned. Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, and Britney Spears are among time's 100 most influential people of 2021. If that doesn't provide a timeline of how we got where we are now, I don't know what does. Kanye West has unfollowed Kim Kardashian on Instagram. No word on if Kanye will fill the void by following another porn star. Angelina Jolie posted pics of her kids reading a book, and I think she was trying to take a cheap shot at Brad. The book was Horton Hears a Terrible Husband. Conor McGregor threw a drink at Machine Gun Kelly on the red carpet at the VMAs this past week and tried to legitimately start a fight, concreting his legacy as the guy you never want to bring to parties. Coldplay and BTS recorded a song together. Finally, their goal was to unite the most annoying fan bases of two consecutive generations. Goal accomplished. The season finale of America's Got Talent aired last week, and as usual, the winner can look forward to a life of nobody ever hearing about them again. The latest season of America's Got Talent has come to a conclusion. And that conclusion? In 2021, no one in America actually has any talent. Marilyn Manson is facing assault charges for spitting and blowing his nose on a female videographer during a concert. But his lawyer says she knew what she was getting herself into. She's actually lucky. Fans in the cheap seats have to go to the merch stand and pay for Marilyn's bodily fluids. The next Halloween movie will debut in theaters and on Peacock simultaneously. So if you are looking for a reason to get Peacock, just keep looking. Judge Judy is getting a new show on IMDb TV. It will be just like her previous Judge show, minus the part where people watch it. The U.S. Women's Open Final over the weekend featured two teens for the first time since 1999. So we know Matt Gates was there somewhere. As long as he walks free, no teen is safe, especially not two. 
Evander Holyfield lost to former MMA star Vitor Belfort in 1 minute 49 seconds. Damn, that wouldn't even be enough time for Mike Tyson to latch onto an ear. 50 Cent says maybe Mike Tyson is the next opponent for Evander Holyfield, so I guess we are just going to feed Evander Holyfield to Tyson again. Get it? Feed in his ear. The Buffalo Bills will require fans to be vaccinated against COVID to attend games. And I don't want to hear any complaining. If you're from Buffalo, this vaccine is nowhere near the riskiest thing you've put in your body. Jeff Bezos reportedly wants to buy the Denver Broncos, and the price tag could be over $4 billion, or roughly what Bezos could find underneath his couch cushions. The NBA will not require players to get the COVID vaccine. Unvaccinated players will be at risk for getting COVID, but not as much risk as getting viruses from nailing Kardashians. A vaccine mandate wouldn't have gone over well with some of the NBA players because they aren't fans of any kind of protection. Tom Brady thinks he can play football until he is 50. In totally unrelated news, Tom Brady really, really hates spending time with his family. Queen Elizabeth says she supports Black Lives Matter. Thank God Prince Philip is dead because this definitely would have killed him. Last week, Prince Harry celebrated his birthday. He decided to go with a chocolate cake, even though Buckingham Palace really urged him to go with vanilla. Taco Bell wants customers to send back used sauce packets so they can reuse them. I'm assuming as meat. Costco issued a shower bench recall. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Who needs shower benches in bulk? A Five Guys employee in Pennsylvania was arrested for stabbing a coworker who said he wasn't working hard enough, but the owner would like you to know that the situation has been handled and you have nothing to fear when coming back to Three Guys. Amazon will hire 40,000 workers. Applicants must be proficient at tech and multilingual. <laughs> just kidding. They just need to be able to lift shit and send it places. West Virginia came in last on the list of happiest states in 2021. Wow, that's a total shocker, replied no one who has ever been to West Virginia or tried to live there. The former CEO of Tinder was hired as the next CEO of Yahoo. Too bad most people swiped left on Yahoo in 2007. President Biden's approval rating is at 42%. In fact, he's so unpopular that Kamala hasn't even spoke to him since they won the election. COVID-19 is the leading cause of death among police, so COVID is targeting police officers for no reason. <laughs> At least it's showing them what it feels like to be a black male, right? Only 56% of Americans can name the three branches of government, and of those, nearly half think the three branches are Trump, Jesus, and country music. McDonald's is so desperate for employees, it has started hiring 14-year-old workers, or as China calls them, senior employees. A British man claims there was a pig nipple in his McDonald's bacon. McDonald's replied by saying, Congratulations, you won the Great Pig Nipple Search Contest, and now you get a lifetime supply of our new sandwich, the McPig Nipple Deluxe. So what? It's a nipple. It's a little brown circular protuberance. It's a big deal. Attention listener. Somebody put Red Bull in my coffee maker instead of water. And now, I can see noises. 
The new iPhone 13 and 13 Pro are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Longer battery life, faster charging, better graphics, and amazing camera. But that's not all. The iPhone 13 cooks perfect bacon. It can shake the dew off the lily when you go wee-wee. Sorry, I can't help you with that. The iPhone 13 can lower your cholesterol. Play frisbee with your golden doodle. It can change a flat tire. Remove dark circles from under your eyes. Freshens breath. It can even shoplift a waffle iron from Walmart. The new iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. The future is here, suckers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on the Brian Reznor Experiment. I am Brian Reznor, and I'm here with my good friend and confidant, Nicholas Ledford. Hello, Nicholas. Yeah, a true friend confidant. Yeah, we're like the fucking Golden Girls over here. Yeah, man. So I have got some developments in the case that we talked about, about the crazy kids who were trying to plan some crazy things in a school from last week. All right, so those kids... those I'm totally betting that this is going to be sweet redemption, and it's it's going to turn out great. I just know it. Man, that... 20 days uh it's 20 some days of mental evaluation they're going to be out of their home for 20 some days and then they're going back to their homes from what i understand and and they're not they're not going to go to like anywhere else. you know the no parent way. the parents have actually talked about? about this the parents have actually talked about this and i, I kind of want to get your response to what they said so 20 fucking days 20, at a hospital tw- 20 20 days yes well, just just Take a listen Turning to this. now to a pair of middle schoolers in Florida that police say were planning a Columbine-inspired mass shooting. They are 13 and 14 years old, so young that we are not even going to show their faces. Authorities say they are behind a chilling plot involving weapons and maps. But now in their first TV interview with a network news outlet, one of those boys' mothers says her son isn't a mastermind. News Nation correspondent Brian Nenton is live for us in Lehigh Acres, Florida tonight with the very latest on this. Brian. Marnie, I've been going through the police reports and the photos all day long. It is just shocking what detectives say these boys had planned uh, at the middle school behind me. But we also talked to one of the kids' mothers uh, who said flat out her son is not capable of killing anyone. A 13 and a 14 year old boy cuffed and booked after investigators say they planned a mass shooting at this Southwest Florida middle school. The 14 year old's mom says she is in shock over the accusations. What did you think when they told you what he was charged with? I went hysterical. I just never thought to see my son in handcuffs. It was just devastating yesterday. It was the hardest thing ever. Lee County, Florida detectives say the boys had a meticulous plan and were inspired by the Columbine shooting. Police reports say they had a map of the school with surveillance cameras marked and other locations marked where the shootings would take place. Deputies say they found guns and a collection of knives inside the 14-year-old's bedroom. His family insists the teen is not dangerous. The rifle they took out of here wasn't a rifle, it was a BB gun. He wouldn't use them to hurt anybody. You know, they made it sound like... They made it sound really bad. Do you think there's any chance that you are in denial? Yeah, no. No, no, no. Not when it comes Shut to Shut up. He's a good kid. No. But the sheriff said, Oh, the he's a good kid. There it is. Away from a school shooting. And this plan was coming together. And, and at any time, at the press of a button, God forbid, we could be sitting here talking about a mass shooting. Investigators say the boys approached other kids and asked them if they wanted to take part and even had Zoom meetings about their plan. I feel like it was just talk, you know, like 
attention kind of thing. Like, but if you're another parent with a kid at that school, I mean, I mean oh imagine my gosh. if that was yes, yeah, and that's why I say I'm I am grateful that nothing did happen because I get it. And as you can imagine, a lot of the parents of the children at this school behind me are grateful also that this plan uh, did not play out. We're told tonight that the investigation into all of this continues. Marnie. Wow, Brian, scary. What happens to these boys now? Well, we know they are undergoing Nothing. a mental evaluation. They were in court over the weekend. We know they'll be uh, held in jail for 21 days. Then they'll have another hearing. The parents hoping uh, that they can get them out on bond. Out on bond. Yay. This is great. And then there was for those kids. There was an article that came out today that said that the, uh, the parents plan on homeschooling the children from now on. Oh, so that means that uh, hopefully we can trust them to keep a good eye on these little maniacs so that they don't do something insane. I don't know. Uh, Zoom meetings. They were having Zoom meetings about having Zoom meetings about murdering children. That's terrible. Like while gathering weapons. Those are damn BB gun. Okay. Well, well, they weren't all B. They they weren't all BB guns. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't all. It wasn't all BB guns. Well, I mean, like. Uh, okay, a BB gun couldn't possibly do a lot of damage, but uh, they said something about knives and uh, a map. Yeah, of, what about everything? plans? Yeah, the map. Yeah. The map and all the places marked, and you're recruiting people to join. Like, this is this is something that should be taken seriously, and I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I get it. It's your kid, but your kid really messed up. Your kid fucking shit the bed. Your kid really fucked up. Yeah, big and time. People are looking at the, you know what I mean. And now the people are looking at the parents. Well, you know the the cops said that they had been to the parents' house over eighty times this year. Wow. Well, For, they didn't they didn't say, but they had been to the house eighty times this year. Ugh. So they're not in a you know in a great learning environment um, as is. And now they're going to do you know the area like their house. I don't. No, I don't not, know. Ex- not that you would know that, but like that, maybe the neighborhood they live in. Uh, yeah, it's my neighborhood. They live <sighs> somewhere around here. They go to the same school that my daughter goes to. Uh, it's that's unfortunate. Yay! Bad people get away again. What's up with that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But you know what? It's not the only story from my neck of the woods that is making national news right now, and Uh-oh. that is uh, Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's big. 22 years old, goes on a adventure with her fiance and doesn't come back. Her fiance comes back. She doesn't come back. Her fiance nor her fiance's family are talking to the police at all and refuse to talk to anyone. Very strange. What's going on here? What are you running up. Yeah, he's already lawyered up. And uh, I think that people were looking for him. Um. Yeah, because his parents said they didn't know where he went, where he left off to, or something. They said right. something like, uh, "The last we we think he might have went somewhere, right? Like right. Uh, to some wooded area or something like that." Yeah. I guess I don't know what's going on with that. And actually, right before we started recording this podcast, they announced that they found a body in Wyoming where she is. The thought that she disappeared in Wyoming mm. is what everyone's thinking. And that's where they just recently found a body. They have not identified it yet. We have not got confirmation that it is her, but that did just break news before we started recording. So apparently they actually just confirmed it. So it is, it is confirmed that it is her body 
that uh, that was found in Wyoming. So we do have a body. We do know that Gabby is uh, is no longer amongst the living. So what about this uh, these campers? So there's extra campers mm-hmm. that yeah, are were found in the in the uh, general area. I, I don't remember exactly how close or far away they were, but they were also found murdered. And they found that somebody said that they saw the guy hitchhiking right. and he needed to go to some place, some area. And uh, before they were, uh, went to the final destination, he abruptly just said, hey, I need to get out of here. I, I'm stopping right now. I need to go. And that's what some people have reported seeing. Wow. And things now, are going to get really interesting. Here, I mean, this dude's. It's, you know, it's, I guess it's good that they know that it's her body, you know, some closure to it finally for, for her family. But at the same time, it's not what you want to hear. You want to hear, oh, hey, she's, she's over there. She, you know, yeah, was, she's, she's she been, was just missing. Yeah. She was just camping in the woods and didn't see that she was all over the TV. That's what you yeah. want. I mean, that's what everybody, you know, wants to think. But of course it didn't feel that way from the gate. It, no. it, at no point did this feel like a situation where we we're going to find Gabby alive. Um, this guy, do you think he's going to run? Feels like he's uh, run. if he's not, if he's not hid right now, I mean, he might. I don't know. Are you not he's saying much so far? Are you not? Are you not saying much because you feel like he's going to come to your house and kill you next? Is that? No, is, are might. you worried about this guy? I mean, I'm yeah. in, I'm just a couple towns over. I mean, he shit. Are you serious? Yeah, Jesus Christ! I am. It's uh, it's about. Uh, you should get away from all that. Move to Detroit, man. <laughs> yeah, it's so much safer in Detroit. <laughs> it is. Yeah, notori- notoriously known. Detroit is notoriously known for how safe it is and polite. Oh man! <laughs> oh goodness! So polite, and, and it's so warm and tropical up here. They weren't lying when they said the Flint Tropics. You know, that basketball team, semi-pro. Yeah, that's a great movie. All right, so we've talked about what's going on in my neck of the woods. What's going on in Detroit, Michigan right now? The cold weather is slowly moving and creeping in. Uh, And one day this week, it is uh, getting down to 57, 56, something like that. Experienced temperatures like that in a long time. Uh, you piece of shit. Yeah, so it's it's getting colder. I hit come all the hoodies, which I'm I'm cool with, and I know you're cool with too. You said that several times. You like to fall because you can yeah. wear a hundred different hoodies. I really hoodies like cold weather. It's weird that I am in Florida where there is no cold weather. It uh, yeah. last, last week it, the temperature did drop down to ninety three. Uh, it was a, <laughs> it was quite a break. It's quite a break from ninety seven to ninety nine. Yeah. It's always I'm sure hot. it was. It's always hot. No, but other than that, uh, everybody's getting ready for the weather. I think that's just the major thing. People, people are always constantly telling you know, oh, it must be nice to be down there in paradise. Oh, the weather's so great and floating. Like I'm literally baking in an oven at all times. It is, yeah. it is so deathly hot here that you have to run from one source of air condition to another. Like when you stop <laughs> your car and, and you like, you know, you're like pumping yourself up and the, the, the air conditions blowing in your face and you're pumping yeah. yourself up. Like in a minute, I'm going to step out of this car and I've got 30 seconds to get into my office where it's air conditioned or else my face is literally going to melt off mm-hmm. of my body. Almost as though, almost as 
as though you were trying to plan your way through a thunderstorm. Like, oh man, it's crazy raining right yeah. now. Well, we have to if do I that too. Hurry up and no, run. That, that's in the afternoon. That, I'm talking oh. about the morning. The, that's oh, the morning sorry. I just explained. And then in the afternoon, <laughs> you've got you know you've got your your paper that you're going to hold over your head and you're trying to keep your bag safe and you run to the car while uh, gallons and gallons and gallons of water pours out of the sky for 19 minutes and 36 seconds. Like it's Yikes. the end of the world. And then as soon as it's over, it's back to 99 degrees. Yeah. Well, yeah. All that water dries up in about 14 minutes. <laughs> Last time I was in Florida, it was so thick. I swear the car temperature I was it was parked in the parking lot, but I swear it said a hundred on the on the car temperature. Well you know what's something weird that you learn when you get to Florida is you, you can't leave your phone in your car when you go like in on a, the dashboard. Yeah, or when, yeah, you can't just leave your phone in your car if you go inside because it will become a hot box and your phone will not work anymore. It will literally destroy your phone. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say something like it's going to explode or something. I well, think it would. I don't know if it'll. I mean, it might eventually explode. I don't know, but it'll it'll get to where it doesn't work really well. It's really bad on your phone to leave it in your car in this state. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe not explode, but you never know if a, a battery of some sort is exposed to an oven. Uh, an oven. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's like throwing a battery in a fire. You ever done that? I have not. What happens if don't, you throw a battery in a fire? Do it and definitely don't Google it. Don't YouTube it. It's super not awesome. <laughs> I bet it is not. I might want to take that out of the podcast now, so nobody does it. I would hate to be blamed for that. <laughs> okay, kids. The stunts you're about to witness are done by professionals. What else is new? Uh Movies, movies are new. You seen a, a good movie recently? No, I've actually been trying to catch up on The Walking Dead. I, I have been too. I've been trying to catch up. I've watched of this latest season. I've watched three episodes. I think I'm I'm kind of far into. Four, I'm, I'm I think I'm one behind right now on The Walking Dead. And I got a question for you. Do you think Negan and Maggie are eventually going to bang? Okay, here's where I am in the story. Uh, they just now had left that dude that got all scratched up, uh, you know, and Maggie had to, uh, make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope so. No, they're not. What are you talking about? Man, it just feels like they have this weird, weird tension going on between them. That's, uh, that's weird. I I have said this before. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe. No, no, I have said this before. Um, you know, when Carol goes out and she's always getting loony. Like Carol, like she has these loon loony fits every once in a while, and I always thought, you know, Daryl. I always thought that Daryl should have given Carol some lady needs, maybe. You know, we well, you know <laughs> Daryl and Carol. It kind of it kind of fit because they kind of always had that same kind of tension that I'm talking about that's going yeah. on with, uh, you know, you don't know. It's it's like when their eye contact and the way they interact with, you, with each other, I don't know if they're going to stab each other or start, you know, making out. It's, it's just weird. And if they do hook up, that's going to be so weird about Glenn's memory and, and oh. <laughs> It's They're just going to be such. I don't know, man. <laughs> they, the Walking like Dead goes anything. weird sometimes. The Walking Dead really takes you on a ride. That's why I've stuck with it. A lot of people lost uh, lost interest in the Walking Dead because it, they had some slow episodes that were that were actually story builders. You know, they were building the story, yeah. and a lot of people dropped off. I never dropped off. I, I stayed with the Walking Dead, and I've enjoyed the ride. 
But they do go in. I mean, no one thought that Carol was going to shoot that little girl, but she did. She looked at the flowers and she shot that little girl. And and nobody thought that little girl was going to come out of that barn a zombie. But man, she did. There she was. Little zombie girl. They've done some, you know, they've done some shit. You know what I'm saying? God, that's great. Nobody thought it was going to be a little zombie girl, but there nobody, she was. Nobody thought that was going to happen. No, you're right. And immediately afterwards, I mean, people bitched about that season because Cor- Coral got shot or whatever. That was, I'm, I think it was season two, right? Was that season two? No. Oh, he went to the farm, Herschel's farm. Uh, the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I forgot about People Carl bitched about shot. that, but man... Uh, you know, like you said, whenever the little girl came out there, a zombie, and then when Shane turned and Carl had to bust his ass, yeah. like those those were almost like back to back episodes, man. They that was were. the same season. That was such a great. I mean, when it first came out, it was so great, and it's still great right now. It's just it's been a long time. We've went a, a long road. It's more like a, something that's been a part of our lives for like a long time. Like yeah, it's got to be ten years. Yeah. 10 years, uh, 2009, 2008, nine. Yeah. Have you ever, got, have you ever got into another show as hardcore as you've got into walking dead? I have. I've gotten into breaking bad. Breaking oh, bad. That's, uh, another AMC things, but don't go thinking AMC writes, you know, classics because it's also some stinkers at you too. AMC. Give me a, uh, give me a stinker. Uh, preacher. Preacher. I never watched it. No, 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 no one else did it either, I guess. AMC only shows like the most edited versions of like Friday the 13th, or if they show Die Hard, it'll be Bruce Willis crawling to the air vents and be like, well, yippee ki yay, dude, or you know, like it's it's edited that way. You know, another show that I have really gotten into recently, well, I mean, in the last few years, is Power. Do you ever watch Power? I've heard of it. Just never seen it. Power is great. And I'm not sure exactly how much 50 Cent has to do with creating it, but I know he has a, a big part in it. This thing is incredible from start to finish. Right now, I'm, I'm watching Raising Canaan, Raising which is uh, a, another season of Power, like a spinoff from Power. And there's like books different books that we're going to see coming up and it's just a masterpiece this show he's writing it i don't know if he's writing everything but he's definitely a, a big part uh, and a big to do with this right now kanan is actually the character that 50 cent played in power and this is his uh like prequel of him coming um, up as a kid it's and it's so good man it's it's so much better than the other one the uh the empire show it's mm-hmm. tenfold better than that one you should, de- you should definitely give it a chance. Even, I've never tried that. I I, I want to try that one. There's a new show I saw. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's on Fox, but it has Topher Grace in it and another person from SNL. What is that show? It's a comedy show coming out. It's either on ABC or Fox. I can't remember. You're talking about Home Economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched a uh, I watched an ad for that, and I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pick up on that Home Economics. Home economic. What did? What's it about? Um, as far as I understand, it's uh, I, all I saw was an interview with the cast, and that's what made me want to watch it. Just honestly. because of who's in it. Honestly, yeah, yeah. It was. 
you know, I wish I could remember all the actors' names, but uh, the way they were getting along and the the little clips that they would show, uh, you know, kind of teasing the broadcast was, I mean, it just seemed something interesting. You know, sure. it wasn't another ER type thing or another cop drama. God bless, there's so many cop dramas. So many. What's your favorite one? None of them. Cop dramas and cops. The original cops, like, huh, bad boss. <laughs> Bad cops. <laughs> That's my favorite cop drama because you know everybody, everybody that got busted on the show. They were having a dramatic experience. Not me. I was laughing and having fun. Do you ever? Yeah, for sure. Do you ever watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? I have a friend that swears by it, and I just I, I I don't know. I don't even know when it comes on. I think it's Fox, right? That's Fox, but I don't know if it's. What is that, like on Monday nights or Tuesday nights or something? I have no idea. I don't watch anything on time, but uh, it's it's a it's a pretty funny show. I I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, Andy Samberg. Yes. Andy Samberg is is has been funny uh, with the uh, Lonely Island and his SNL career as well. But do I don't you, see anybody new coming out of SNL now. Do you? Do you like uh, Do you like the SNL cast that's going on right now? Um, yeah, right now I'm kind of, I'm kind of finished with Keenan. He gone, right? No. He's got his own show. I don't think he's gone. I haven't heard that he's, he's gone. He's got his own NBC show now though. Well, I mean, he could I, still be on SNL. Keenan is like a staple, man. man. He's like a staple on SNL right now. He's just been on there for so long. It, 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 I want to see new faces you know you know what i'm saying like i want to see new people like we should have done had two more will ferrells but now <laughs> we were due two more box office uh superstars from snl well i think pete davidson's kind of getting there mm, no, he ain't no will ferrell no i mean i mean he's getting to he's be not a, even he's a not, david spade he's no, not even a david spade dude he's kind of a different kind of actor i mean uh what about what about kate mckinnon do you want to see her Love leave kate or stay McKinnon. you want to see her stay what is it you want to see her stay then no i want to see her go into movies i want well, to see her she kind of already has i know but i think she can do more i've seen her in uh seen her in a couple of what do you think about michael che michael che's good i like yes. his stand-up you ever watch his stand-up yes he is so good yeah. I, I, hope, yeah. I hope for big things for him well, it seems like the all the past uh, weekend update people um, have went on to very successful things to host late night talk shows. Like Jimmy Fallon, he hosted the weekend update. Yeah, nice. It's a nice show host. That's right. And Seth Myers. Seth Myers is well. right after him. Right after him. He's got a great show too. I, I watch Seth Myers usually on my. Uh, well, I don't watch. I listen to what what Seth Myers did the night before on my way to work every morning. But I don't. Seth Myers but don't do that. Him. I want you to listen to the Brian Reznor experiment on your way to work uh, every morning. Who whoever's listening right now, don't don't listen to <laughs> Seth Myers. Listen to me. You can watch <laughs> Seth Myers on TV. Yeah, we were just saying how much better our show was than you know. Seth Myers, who gets millions, millions, and Michael Chase, uh, tag team partner there, Colin Jost. He uh, he's really out kicking his coverage. Bastard. He is really out kicking his coverage. Man, that I don't, I don't know how that squinty eyed turd got how where he got. He's funny, dude. He don't is. He's really wrong. funny. He's but really he talented. Does, he always looks like he just smelled a really bad fart, and <laughs> now he's married and babied up with. The, possibly the hottest chick in hollywood yeah and you know what if she wasn't with colin joe's she'd damn sure be with pete davidson because that dude is always getting the hottest chicks ever 
It's it's unbelievable. Who, who, who else did he? Have? I just know about Ariana Grande. Who right. else was he with? So that's the only one you've heard of. What about Kate Beckinsale? Oh, oh, okay. Well, yeah. And that Cassie David chick, and oh. also he was with uh, Phoebe Dynavore. No. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's like twelve. How does he have all them girlfriends? <laughs> Carly Aquilino. Man, I get it. But why though? Like I don't see it either. He looks like I saw a picture of him just recently. He looked like Beetlejuice, and I ain't shitting you. The dude's eyes were all sunk in. And you know, and that's just, I just named a couple. There, there are more. It, it's crazy yeah. how many beautiful women have fell in love with Pete Davidson. Okay, I, I guess that's why they have that uh, Chad uh, character that reoccurs on SNL. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not even a character. It's a real. Okay. It's a real yeah, that's really him. They were like, all right, he's, he's landing all these hot women. You, you know, make who, a sketch out of it. You know who we got out of out of SNL since Will Ferrell? We got Jason Sudeikis. You forgot about him. Oh, what's he done for me recently, though? I mean, maybe not recently, but he did a lot of stuff in, in, a, in a little bit of time. Here's a, a cast member I want to ask you about. Bowen Yang. Do you like him? Bowen Yang's good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think he can get some more time. You know why I don't like Bo and Yang? I, I don't like Bo and Yang because during the presidential election, he totally did a terrible job representing Andrew Yang and the um, fact that he was playing Andrew Yang and representing well, him. He was representing him so terribly that now, even when he does funny stuff, I'm always like, ha ha. Yeah, you and <laughs> Andrew Yang. <laughs> And it, it, I just can't enjoy anything he does because of how You're terrible. You're trying to blame him. You're trying to blame him. I'm not. I'm not blaming yes, him. There's a lot of blame to go around for why Andrew Yang didn't get where I wanted him to get. But it does not all fall on Bo and Yang. But he did not help anything. You know another terrible impression that nobody ever talked about? This is the worst SNL impression ever. Is Will Ferrell doing Alex Trebek. Ah, uh, your mother's a whore, yeah. Alex Trebek. I totally didn't think that he did that bad of a job as Alex Trebek. Those were some funny Will skits. Ferrell? Those were some funny uh, skits. Well, I don't know. He, I mean, maybe he, he wasn't dead on. Like maybe he wasn't dead on <laughs> Alex Trebek, but he was funny nah. in the skit. But Will Ferrell's been he's funny like, in everything he's ever done. Rah, 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 rah. Oh, no, I love, I love Will Ferrell. I just, you know, th- that brings me to uh, to a question I have for you because I was I was talking to someone and they had actually they had mentioned that they seen penises in the sky clouds that look like penises clouds that look like penises in the sky and my question to me well (laughs) no i was not thinking of you because of that but i was but i was thinking road did you take to get here son but but i well but i was thinking and i asked the guy i said have you ever seen i love you philip morris because that starts out with uh love that movie you love that movie? You've seen love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, that's, that's a killer movie, dude. One, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it is because I figured you had seen this movie, and I have found that I'm literally one of the only people that I know that have seen this movie. I, of course, my wife's seen this movie, about? and now you've seen this movie, but I guarantee yeah. you there's a bunch of people that have never seen I Love You, Philip Morris, and it's a true story about a real person, and mm-hmm. Jim Carrey stars in it. Jim Carrey is the is the main actor in this okay. movie. And this thing is a is an amazing. It's an amazing piece of work, is it not? Mm-hmm. Ewan Ewan McGregor. How do yeah. you say his name? I, I think it's Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Right. but yeah, 
wonderful, wonderful story. And honestly, I didn't know it was real until at the end when, uh, you know, in typical, uh, based on a true story things, they'll tell you, be like, oh, so-and-so went on to do this. or so-and-so right. went and, and I was like, what? Went on to, he escaped from what? And I looked it up and it was just amazing. Yeah, this guy done, <laughs> done so many things in this story. I, I just don't even want to go into what this movie is about because I don't want you to even judge it. I just want you to, to watch it. If you've never yeah. seen I Love You, Philip Morris, that is your homework from the Brian Reznor experiment this week. Go watch I Love You, Philip Morris, starring Jim Carrey. Find it wherever you can find it and watch it. And tell us what you think about it in the focus group of Res, which you can join on Facebook. Up next, Miranda Martin joins us to talk about her entertainment career. Also, we are going to talk about weight loss at the end of the show. We have a discussion panel on three different people who tried three different ways to lose weight and succeeded. So we're going to talk to them and much more. But like I said, next is our conversation with the very impressive Miranda Martin. Stick around. Next week, we've got an exclusive interview with Chucky Campbell. And right now, I'd like to introduce the audience to Chucky Campbell. This here is Synesthesia by Chucky Campbell on the Brian Reznor Experiment. Look for his interview next episode. In the field of bluegrass, a green stop sign, pouring black rain, glowing gray skies, tiny white lies, a black wedding dress, a world of white rappers and black presidents. Boys wearing pink, girls wearing blue, Howard Technicolor and incandescent hues, solar light blues over silver black seas, skies of lavender, atomic tangerine, kaleidoscopic dreams in cream colored rooms, slaves locked in chains of red, white, and blue, shades of faded freedom burst. Sienna through the sunset This house is built of goodbyes And needles under swing sets Broken hearts and fake friends PTSD war vets Pushing politicians Back in hate crimes and racists Signposts and language And overdue mortgage statements Liquidated families' assets To satisfy housing payments Throw away a life of savings A single mother's investment Send her children off to college A chance to be something better Now she packing up possessions And cardboard boxes Whatever Staring blankly out the windows For moments in her perception In the field of bluegrass A green stop sign Pouring black rain, glowing gray skies, tiny white lies, a black wedding dress, a world of white rappers, and black presidents. Green doesn't mean go, red doesn't mean stop. How we learn color all depends on what we're taught. So we walk between the lines, stop and go with flashing lights in a world full of color. All we see is black and white synesthesia. Blue, left, right, us, them, black, white, Christian, Muslim, wrong, right, push, pull. I toss and turn in my sleep during dreams of my childhood Remembering dark streets and friends of the night Took blue ribbons and purple hearts, black panthers and white guilt Words written in white ink, a Jesus with black skin Exists with the dead lives, sleepwalking on pain pills White powder and dollar bills, tornadoes and nostrils Divisions cannot heal, the people can see clear What cultural common sense meets colors of one's skin Our nation cannot heal, the patterns and how we think See it's us against us, not us against them Colorless, lost lives of colorful lifetime should not leave us colorblind but show us what color lies in the field of bluegrass a green stop sign pouring black rain glowing gray skies tiny white lies a black wedding dress a world of white rappers and black presidents green doesn't mean go red doesn't mean stop how we learn color all depends on what we're taught so we walk between the lines stop and go with flashing lights in a world full of color all we see is black and white synesthesia old young Gay, straight, hate, love, hearing, color, seeing, sound, 
on the Brian Reznor Experiment, and today I've got a special guest with me. I like to show the world with this podcast that there are people in West Virginia that have extreme amounts of talent, and sometimes West Virginia gets left off of the the list of states that may have good things to offer the rest of the world, but I like to remind people that that's not always the case, and my next guest is a perfect example of that. I am with Miranda Martin, who is an actor, a writer, a director, a model, and you could just put any other other thing on there, and it'll probably work as well. Miranda, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So you're from a very small town called Bradley, West Virginia, and yes. in the middle of nowhere. I happen to, uh, to know you quite well because I grew up... Being your brother's best friend, yes, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, my experience with you was as a baby, but now you are a full-grown woman, and you are doing amazing things, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, it's so it's so cool to see like where just we both are, my brothers, and just like everyone that we grew up with. So yeah, excited to talk about West Virginians making it happen. You know, well, and you're definitely a West Virginian that's making it happen, and and I kind of want to get started with with how you decided to go in this many directions with your career, like when you were growing up, when, when was the moment when you were like, you know, Hey, I want to do something a lot different than everyone else is doing. So I would say when I was 11, so, you know, at Tamarack, which is in Beckley, West Virginia, they had this awesome, this like theater day camp opportunity thing going on. And I think mom, my mom knew like, I did sports and stuff with my cousins, but it wasn't necessarily my jam. And she and my dad wanted to find something like I would resonate with and that I would be into. And they were like, hey, like, do you want us to sign you up for this? And I was like, okay. I was a pretty shy kid, actually, ironically. Um, and I tried it. And I did that theater day camp. And that was run by a Treehouse Arts Ensemble at the time in West Virginia. And it just like opened up a whole new world for me. It was like being on that stage, working with creatives, like meeting adults who were like making careers out of, you know, creative arts and things. I was like, whoa, didn't even know you could do this. Like, you know, like I, you know, I've seen movies. I didn't know like people actually could, you know, just go out and pursue these things in like a real way, especially in West Virginia. So that's kind of where it started that planted like that seed in my head. And then after that, I was like, you know, I grew up in like the internet age. So I would just start like researching like auditions and, you know, near, you know, cities near me or like, you know, like how many plays can I be in locally? Like, and just really like digging into that because that seed was planted in my mind by like the people at Tamarack who were like, doing theater for kids and really like fostering like that next generation of like young West Virginia creatives. So 11 years old, you made this, this kind of, you know, slight decision that, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And here you are now you're doing it. And and I love stories like that because I know, uh, for instance, when I was 11 years old, I was recording radio shows on a, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a tape recorder. So, and here I am doing radio shows now and interviewing you who was at 11 years old thinking about being an actor and now you're doing it and now you're, you're really, uh, you're really out there moving. So what was your first step? You know, you turn 18, what do you, what do you do from there to get to where you are? So I always say that my, my mom and dad both were really good about always saying like, your education is the foundation for everything you're going to do. So I think like that had to take, you know, the forefront. And I actually went to Concord University, also in West Virginia in Athens. 
Um, and I studied writing and then I did a theater minor and a little bit of like sociology, but it was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to get this education. I'm going to study uh, writing and English because that's also a creative thing that I knew I could probably, you know, like make money with, you know, you always have to have like the day job. So from there, I kind of was like, but I'm going to keep pushing on this acting thing. Like, I'm not going to give this up just because I am trying to like, you know, pursue the education. So it's like, got the education part down, but I kept like, yeah, just kept like pushing. Like I would start by doing small things like local photographers or whatever would be like, Hey, I need a model for this. And I'd always be like, I'll do it. And just like showing up and actually doing it. Cause I think it's so hard for one to find people sometimes who are like, say they're going to do something and actually show up and do it. So like putting so yourself true. in those positions. Yeah. Like to like be that person, you know, who shows up and does the work. And so I started kind of just like doing those like local type things in college doing like little local fashion shows for like boutiques and stuff like photo shoots. Um, but I was always like looking, always searching, like I said, on the internet, like auditions for this and that, you know, and I, and I got an audition actually for the movie American honey when I was 19 and I didn't get the part, but that was my first like big exposure where I was like, okay, they saw my self tape. They wanted me to audition. You know, I auditioned for this and I didn't get the role, but like I generated interest. And so that's kind of really when I was like, oh, this might be like something I should keep pursuing. So, yeah, that was like the start of it from like my college career. So modeling was really the first thing. And then then acting was something you were going for next. And then that ended up going into writing and directing. What was uh, your first project uh, that you wrote and directed and actually starred in Adrian? Uh, how did that come about? I mean, that's to, to say I've wrote, directed, and starred in a movie. That's pretty. That's a pretty big accomplishment right there. So how how did that come about? That was um yeah that was interesting because it was a cool like melding of my all of my background interests. It's like I'd grown up watching like horror movies and I love even like the campy like new age like American Horror Story like all this stuff right and so I was like you know there, there's an appetite for this and I like this niche and I like this field but I was like I feel like there are stories that one aren't being told and two it's like you know you keep doing auditions and maybe you get small parts or bit parts and I was like I'm a writer I could write something for myself that I want to act and develop myself in that way as an actor. And then, you know, I also get to write a screenplay and then I can direct it and learn a new skill. So that was kind of how it started. I was like, well, you know, I know what I would want to watch as a viewer. I know what I would want to act in as an actress. And it was like, I'm just going to make it happen. Like, I'm just going to write it for myself. It doesn't exist. So I have to create it. And I think that was pretty much the whole catalyst for the experience for me. It was like, if something in the market doesn't exist, you really just have to make it yourself. You have to create your own opportunities. That's uh, exactly, yeah. That's and, so and that's true. How it started, yeah. And then I got hooked up with um, Jonah Dyer, who was from Beckley. He lives in Los Angeles now. This kid, he's still he's only nineteen, nineteen years old. Incredible videographer. Met him in Beckley doing like a music video shoot actually for a friend, um, Zachariah Perry, who's like a local like Beckley like rapper, and uh, he's actually from Mount Hope. But just you know, once again. West Virginia creatives. I was in town at the time. Cause I was, I'm living in Philly now and I was then, but I was visiting and I was like, Hey, um, since you guys know videography and set design and stuff, I, I wrote this script. You know, I really want to make this come to life. And I knew some sound people here in Philly from other smaller projects I'd worked on. And I was like, yeah, we just, we just need to do this. Like, does anyone want to do this? And actually I was really fortunate cause they were all like, they read the script, they loved it. And they were like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Let's right. make this happen. So the path of, uh, you know, the, that path usually is taken by a seasoned veteran actress. Then 
they become a director. Then they become a writer. You know, that's usually something that people do at the end of their career. And you're starting out like, hey, I'm going to be a director, a writer, and a, and a model, and an actress, and everything that I can possibly be right now and see what works. And I I totally love that approach. That's a, that's a great approach. Now, since you said you like horror movies and we're coming up on October, I have to stop talking about you for a second and then talk about what you think is the best horror movie you've ever seen. Oh man, probably just because this is the one me and me and my husband watch every single year on Halloween day because it's such a slow burn and it's so classic. And the way the story is told is so like unnerving, but never outrightly like boo scary. Rosemary's baby. Rosemary's baby. That's a, that's a great pick. Now, OG, like Roman Polanski directed Mia Farrow, you know, stars in that. And like, Oh my, just the story about like, her being gaslit the whole time thinking everything's so normal. And like, you think it is even as the viewer, like so normal. And then things start to get weirder and weirder. And then all of a sudden it's like literally Satan's baby. Right? <laughs> so it's like, what? And like that mind blowing ending where they're all just like, you know, a devil, like a cult of devil worshipers. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm not crazy. <laughs> right. It's uh, a slow burn. And it just like, you, you don't even, like I said, you don't even get boo scared. You're just like disturbed. You walk out of that just being like, and it's so like that atmospheric horror setting that mood. I think that is so effective. And I like boo scary too. Like I love all the old like 80 slashers. Like, you know, I love Nightmare on Elm Street and all that, but something about mood and like atmosphere horror hits so hard for me and I love it. Well, when we're talking about horror, there was a brand new horror movie that I recently watched, Army of the Dead. I thought it was a, an excellent movie. Um, it, you know, of course an action movie, a different take on zombies. And one of these zombies looked kind of familiar, Miranda. And I believe, <laughs> uh, I believe it was you, you were in army of the dead. This experience had to have been incredible. Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, that was really awesome. I think that was one of the first times I was like driving to a set, but I was actually like so nervous because so basically I have this, um, agency I work with here in Philly, they're called Heary Loftus casting. And they do like smaller bit role type work. And I'd done some like smaller, like extra roles through them in the past, but I get a call from the agency about two days before they want me on set. And they say, uh, Zack Snyder looked at the photos of all the people we submitted and he handpicked about 10 of you to play these like zombies. And I was like, oh, Zach's like Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty cool, right? Like, freaking Justice League, Zack yeah. Snyder. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, I, I have to, they're, they're like, you're going to have to drive to Atlantic City. You might have to get a hotel. And I'm trying to coordinate with Andrew and like with my day job, right? And be like, you know, but I didn't feel like I could pass that up. So I went, I drove down to Atlantic City, just me. And I showed up and we filmed it at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City. And it was just crazy. Like then all of a sudden it was like, boom, boom, boom. Like when you get on a set, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. But with this one, it was actually like so action packed and so fun, even just to film because it was kind of like, okay, like Zack Snyder's here. He's going to look at all of you. And we had this choreographer, like show us how they wanted the zombies to act. Cause if you see like in that movie, we had the ones we called like the, um, they were just like the whalers or whatever. And they're like the typical zombies that are like, ugh. We were the alpha zombies, so we were the ones who, like, run like when you right. watch that movie. Yeah, and they, they told me, they're like, well, you're, like, physically fit, and, like, he picked you because you're, like, fit, and you look like you're, like, one of, like, the runners. So they showed us how to, like, run and then, like, crawl really fast and kind of, like, you know, do these movements. So that was just crazy cool. And then they had us in wardrobe. Like, this is all, like, in one day, have us in wardrobe and stuff. And we're figuring out, like, 
okay, this is what you're going to wear. This is what you're going to wear. And then yeah, Zack Snyder would like walk in and out, which was crazy. Like for him to be that involved, I'd worked on other projects where directors were like involved with the extras, but they weren't really like super involved. He was very meticulous about like what we wore, how we moved, even though we were like, you know, not speaking actors at all. Like he was just so involved. Um, yeah. Then it was just crazy. Then it was like, go to bed. Cause like they got us rooms there in the hard rock, like go to bed, wake up. And then like, just a whole day of like just shooting these, like running around being shot by like the serious actors. Like, you know, did you get to spend any time on screen with uh, like Batista? No, unfortunately not. I think a lot of what I end up in is like when you watch, it's just like B roll stuff, but just being able to like see him in the room, you know, and then like see Zack Snyder in the room, like that alone was just like a so super you, so you did cool spend time around him for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you get, did you get to talk to him? Not a lot. So a lot of what happens, like, especially when you're like an extra on set and it's not that they're, they're not like being jerks, but they do kind of tell you like your agent will come in and like our agent always tells us like, don't not don't talk to them, but like, don't distract them, I guess. You know what I mean? So no, didn't really get to talk to him. He seemed super cool. Like he was really cordial with everyone. The only one we actually got to like talk to was Zack Snyder and he was actually really nice, Nice. uh, which was, which was neat. But yeah, it's kind of a lot of like, and this sounds bad, but it's like the actors that are like more important. And I hate using that term, but like, you know, they're more significant in the scene. It's kind of like, you don't want to get them off their game. Right. So it's like, I'm not going to go. And they all have their trailers and stuff. And then we're kind of kept in like a holding room where like, we all kind of can like hang out and they kind of go do their own thing. They have stand-ins like the other actors that like, work on these movies for months that are in like every scene they come in and then they have another actor come and just like stand in for them while we're like placing people on set. They don't even show up until like five seconds before the camera rolls. Cause they're just trying to like do their part, get it done. And they have to go back and like get ready for the next part basically, you know? So not a lot of interacting with them, but I do try to intensely watch all of them and directors, especially because I'm like, I want to do what you're doing and this is my end goal. <laughs> so right. I do spend a lot of time just like observing them, if that makes sense. Like maybe more than the others, I kind of just sit around and I'm really interested always at like what they're doing, like how they delivered that line. Like if Dave Batista would deliver a line and Zack Snyder would be like, say that as if I had just said that to you for the first time. And then they say, cut. Okay. Say that as if someone just told you your dog died. Right. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> the way you just see them do these same scenes over and over and the way the directors and actors interact. Sorry, this is a long answer, but no, it's like mind blowing though to see it in person, you know? Right. And you're just sitting there as a sponge taking it all in. That's uh, it's, it's a pretty incredible experience. Hey, I would say it was probably the first time that anyone's looked at your model photography and said, Hey, let's cover this girl in blood and, and guts and make her run around like a zombie instead of use her as a model. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So you did talk to Batista just a little bit and that's one professional wrestling star, but another professional wrestling star I seen you have a pretty lengthy conversation with, and that was John Cena when you were interviewing people for fast and the furious nine what an experience that was. I mean, and how did you even get involved? Like, oh, now you're an interviewer. That's what you do now. Now we add that to your list. How did that happen? That was actually through um, my day job. And, and at the time I work now for Verizon communications because they kind of poached me from Comcast communications. So I was working. So I do work in the telecom and entertainment industry, even in my day job as just like a writer and journalist. Um, so I do like a lot of journalism and writing for their website. And at the time I was writing for Comcast's um, Xfinity hub. It was like their big blog on their Xfinity line of business. And they said, Hey, you know, NBC's part of our business. 
And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, we'd done a lot of cool stuff with NBC in the past, like uh, gone to like press junkets they've had for different things. But this was the first time they were like, do you want to request an interview with NBC for, for your blog that you're writing for? Cause I was kind of running it at the time for Xfinity. They were like, would you like to talk with the cast of fast nine? And I'm like, absolutely. Hell yes. So yeah. Essentially, Right. Like, yeah, of course I do. Um, so essentially I had to write up a script and I've interviewed people in the past. Like I used to write for, um, like in college, like spotlight, West Virginia, was a great magazine. I'd interview like West Virginia artists. So I was like, okay, I know journalism. I know hosting through like acting stuff. So I was like, I'm going to meld these two things and write a script. And I had to submit to NBC studios, a script of what kind of questions I would ask. They basically just want to know you're not going to ask something like, Oh, like you're so hot. Who's the hottest person you ever had sex with? Like, you know, I mean, like that's relevant to the movie. And like, so I submit this script and they go, okay, we submitted it to all the actors and they go, Cena liked it. Uh, Natalie liked it. And Tyrese liked it. Do you want to interview the three of them? And it was, they were literally like tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I can, yeah, sure. <laughs> I can do that. I can make that happen. Uh, your interview was right before he was interviewed on whether uh, Taiwan was a country or not, which he, he said that, uh, that it was. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And it was, man, good thing you didn't ask him that question, right? I thought about that too. Cause that actually did happen. Yeah. It was like, I had just talked to him and then the next day he's trending on Twitter and my dumbass, I wake up and I'm like, did our interview go? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unfortunately no because i didn't ask anything quite that sharp maybe i should have but maybe, i didn't maybe. <laughs> as if a you... representative of comcast nbc i didn't ask anything like that right so um but no yeah that was crazy because then he's embroiled in this whole thing um but then it was neat because then i posted my interview on like my instagram reels and i got like 100k hits in like an hour because people were like he was trending so in a way like it helped you, know, you. that stuff i like capitalized on that too you know yeah that's that's a good thing too so yeah. you spent some time on the set of the movie 21 Bridges with Chadwick uh, Boseman. So uh, how did uh, how, how did that come about? So that was through the same um, casting agency that got me the role in Army of the Dead. But that was my first role with this agency in Philly. Um, I had very recently moved to Philadelphia. So I was still like learning the city, kind of learning the ropes of everything. And they were like, hey, we have this role. You can be a reporter in this press conference scene with Morocco Omari who played the chief of police. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, totally down to do that. Um, great experience because I learned for the first time what it's like to be on a professional movie set. That was my first like um, big budget film set I had really worked on. And for that one, what was so interesting was we met Morocco Omari. He was super cool and he's been in like Empire and some other things. So that was sort of surreal. Um, but then one of my best friends, who's still one of my best friends to this day, I met her on that set. And she got picked to be in a scene with Chadwick Boseman. Oh, wow. And I didn't, yeah, and I did not. And she has this picture still in her phone um, that he left, like, he went out and bought donuts for, like, the whole cast that was in that scene with him, even, like, the extras. And he wrote, like, a really personal, like, heartfelt note, like, great job, everyone. Like, you all are awesome. Like, eat all these snacks, you know, on me. And he bought, like, wings. And we have this place called Federal Donuts. They do, like, chicken and donuts. It's, like, their niche in Philly. So he bought them, like, this whole big spread. And when he passed away, unfortunately, it was so sad, but she posted that picture. And she was like, I will never forget how disrespectful and kind he was as, like, a human being to, like, the other people on set. Because usually, like, like I said about Army of the Dead, these actors they don't not want to talk to you, but like, that's not their job. And they don't really have time usually, but um, 
she to this day speaks so highly of him and that experience of working with him and everyone on that set was great but yeah that was really spoke uh, a lot to his character like him as just a guy for sure and working with somebody like that uh, did you get to spend any time on set period seeing him at all I did not actually and where that was my like first rodeo I was just very much like going and doing what I was told when I was told to do it. And yeah, I ended up in the scene with uh, Morocco Omari, which was, he was really cool too. And like, that was really fun. Um, but I didn't get to meet Chad Bozeman and it kind of sucks. Cause to this day, I'm like, ah, like, you know, he was so legendary and right. had a good meeting, but yeah, my friend had that really cool experience with him and she just still speaks so highly of that, of that guy. So we'll talk for a second about dispatches from elsewhere. I, I'm not real familiar with this. Maybe you can give me a, 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 a bit of information about it yeah that show so that was a show um an episodic series like an like a mini series that they shot here in philly uh for amc and jason siegel well he starred in it but he also wrote and directed it as well and essentially because i ended up going to the press junket too through my day job so i was kind of involved in two ways with this film like i was in some of the scenes or with this show i was in some of the scenes and then I was at like the press junket for Comcast NBC, like listening to him talk about it with uh, my coworker, David Onda actually interviewed him for that one. And it was like this idea that he got based on, there was like a game, like a social experiment someone did in San Francisco in like the sixties or seventies. And he said he got really obsessed with it, this idea. And it was basically like leaving clues or puzzle pieces around a big city without really any direction or like involving people directly and just seeing who picks up on these things. And like, could you send a whole city on like this massive scavenger hunt to just find something wacky, do something fun or interesting. So he um, had been to Philly before and he said he thought Philly was one of the most artistic cities like he'd ever been to. We have the most like mural arts program, like commissioned art here. Like we have all kinds of music venues. And uh, he was like, I'm writing this script and I want to bring it to Philadelphia, this really artistic city. So it's essentially a show about this guy that Jason Siegel portrays because he stars in it as well, that has this very like boring, normal existence. And he finds this puzzle piece, this like dispatch from elsewhere. And it's like a radio transmission and he hears it and he ends up on this journey with um, three other people who kind of go on this journey with him. And one of them was played by Andre 3000, <laughs> which was so cool. Wow. And yeah, he goes on this journey with these people um, and, and that's essentially it. Like they're trying to find something and it's, it's kind of like, you know, what you end up finding is like yourself. Right. And like your ability to like find joy and like mundane situations and like find just the normal things in life. Beautiful. So super interesting concept for a show, very like, um, artsy and kind of like heady and experimental, but really cool show, really smart dude, Jason Siegel. So this is a whole lot of stuff to, to kick off your career. Um, that's, that's basically what you've done here. You've kicked off your career and you've, you've got a lot of different parts and a lot of different things and a lot of different projects. But one thing that I'm sure that a lot of people want to know is, and me included, and you don't have to be specific, but what is the process of, of making cash in a situation where you are the extra? You're just the, the person in the background. It, you know, people wonder, you know, is that person barely making any money or is that person actually getting paid really well for that situation or, or how does that even work? Like what is, what is a payday for, for like say army of the dead look like? Yeah. So the pay is typically pretty good. Actually, you'll make like 
15 to 20 dollars an hour a lot of the time being just like an extra non-union i'm still not in sag after because that actually takes a lot of money and investing just to get yourself into sag after so it's like i'm sag eligible but applying is like this whole other thing where you kind of want to be like really on top of your shit, frankly, before you apply, because you're investing a lot of money. So if you're SAG-AFTRA, your union, you get like a union rate. So even mm-hmm. if you're an extra, they have to pay you like the SAG-AFTRA union minimum rate. They make like $25, $30 an hour. But no matter what, that's like on an eight hour payday, you start getting double pay. Like if I end up there, anything over eight hours, you'll get like paid double. So you might be making like $40 an hour in some situations just to be an extra because you've been there for, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours. And that's with any big budget, like SAG after a film, they have to do that. Whether you're union or not, you're going to get paid, which is awesome. I have done unpaid work for smaller, like indie films where they say like, you know, we want to pay you, but I understand they can't always, do you know what I mean? Right. Of course. Um, And so, yes, but for the big budget ones, yeah, you always get paid. And if you make like a career out of it where, you know, I have a day job and I kind of balance those things. I've met people on sets who have been in like multiple of these projects, all these projects, they submit for all of them. And they actually make like a living doing it. Like just being an extra trying to get, you know, extra work. And sometimes if you show up enough like that, you get lucky and you'll get picked to be like a returning, you know, role on a show. And so, yeah, you can, you can make a, an actual like career out of it. If you just pursue it hard enough and apply for enough things of just being an extra, there's a whole pool of just extras and that's just what they do. That's their, that's their job. Yep. A lot of the people I've worked with on sets have done it for like 10. There's this one guy, he said he's done it for like 15 years and he had pictures with like Daniel Radcliffe and like all these other actors. And he was like, yeah, it's just what I do. I'm an extra. And he was like, I just am in this area, like New York, Philly, DC. He's like, I just kind of go wherever they want me. You know, they pay for your hotel usually if you need to do that. And, and that's just what he'd done for years and made like an honest living doing it. And I was like, that's pretty wild. Yeah. That's pretty (laughs) awesome. Actually. Uh one question I would have for you is you, you always hear these horror stories about directors or actors that are really high up on the chain or getting, you know, becoming a, a complete nightmare on set. Have you ran into anything like that where it's like, man, this guy is a nightmare or this lady here is a nightmare. Do you, do you ever, you ever felt like that or, or seen that? I've never fortunately had a situation like that with like a star of anything Um, I can tell a good story after this about like two actors that were particularly cool that I got to interact with. But um, I will say that when I was doing um, 21 Bridges, and I think I'm allowed to say this, some of the people, we call them like PAs, just like production assistants. And basically they're like, you know, like right-hand men to the directors. Some of those people on that set, and just in general sometimes, have been some of the like rudest worst people I've ever met. Like, I can't lie about that. Sometimes they're so rude and you're an extra or like, you're not, if you're not the star, basically, like, even if you're a stand in, even if you're just like a smaller speaking role, they will just tell you like, you need to be here right now at this time. Don't ask me questions. Don't talk. Don't get on your phone. And you're just like sitting there and holding, like not even doing anything, but they really can be like, and, and I think it's because they're under a lot of pressure and like stress from the directors and stuff. But those tend to be the people in my experience that can get the most, yeah, like nasty with, with, with talent and stuff. Okay. So tell me the story about the, uh, the good experience with the two actors. The good experience is actually Jason Siegel and Andre 3000. Oh man. Um, that's so awesome. You got to hang out with those two. 
Well, it, it, well, yeah, it was just so cool because I was in a scene and we were filming in Rittenhouse Square in Philly in the park. And in this scene, we had to be part of the people who were like involved in um, the puzzle that he like had just discovered or whatever. It's like episode one. So this is the pilot episode we were shooting. And he had just found Jason Siegel's character, the dispatch to go to the park. And we all had um, headphones in and like a little map. Because the scene was like, we all just got this same clue, ended up in this same park and we're starting this big scavenger hunt. And we had to like pretend like in the show they overlaid it there's like a guy on the radio giving us instructions right and what happens is it's like we're on this corner of the park and i'm here and andre 3000 is like right in front of me and then a couple other people are with me and then jason siegel's on like this side over here and that's where my friend actually tara same girl my best friend tara was over there and so jason siegel and andre 3000 are supposed to meet in the middle and that's the scene we were shooting was them meeting now jason siegel's also directing this at the same time but while we're doing that scene, I'm doing the thing always, you know, where I'm like, I'm being respectful. I'm not going to talk to these guys. Like, you know, whatever. Andre 3000 turns around, looks at all of us. And he was just so cool. He just goes like, how you guys doing? Like, <laughs> how does everybody feel? Like, you okay? And I was like, yeah, man, like, I'm good. How are you? And he was just like, I'm having a great time. And he was just like, so cordial and so friendly. And then Jason Siegel like asked us the same thing, you know, how were we doing? And he walked around, checked in with like all of us. And then when we all left, he stopped like each of us individually that night as we were leaving to go get our things and like, you know, sign out to like put our hours in with the agency. He was like, this scene, he's like, this would not have been possible without all of you showing up, coming to do this. And then he like high five, like all of us is rocking out. And he's like, awesome job guys. Awesome work. Like they were just both so friendly and they interacted with like the extras and like all the actors in a way that like I'd not experienced on set before. Like they made you really feel valuable because, because you are, but then they actually made you feel that way and like went that extra mile. So and yeah, Andre 3000 was the strangest, nicest dude I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> so do you mark out in those situations and get pictures taken or do you do act like you're, Oh, I'm too cool for that. I'm not taking pictures with you. We're not allowed to have our phones like on the sets because you have to sign an NDA. So yeah, they'll like take your phone and stuff at the beginning and they keep it until like you're done for the end of the day. So there's no pictures, yeah. even if you wanted, even if you wanted to be a fan girl, you could not be one because you don't have your phone. Exactly. Because I mean, what I've probably tried if I was allowed to. Oh yeah, of course. You <laughs> you know, I want to remember that. I got but, you. Yeah, they, they take your phones and like just about any set I've ever been on, they either way you sign an NDA and then usually along with the NDA, just so you're not tempted, they put your phone in like a locker or they ask you like, hey, leave it in the room. But you know. So we've went over all the things you've done to kickstart your career. Where are you going from here is the next question. What's the projects you're working on now? What's next for Miranda Martin? Yeah. So COVID was like a really, really, really like crappy time for everybody. But I mean, and I know it's still going on, but now things have kind of picked up in like a safe way. And whenever that paused everything, I had to kind of be like, oh, damn, you know, like, what am I going to do now? So I've kind of been on hold for a while in that regard. But then recently work has picked back up. And I've done a couple auditions lately for some like campaign ads that are more in the modeling space. Don't know, you know, how those will pan out. And I can't say what they are because it's like proprietary information. But, you know, that stuff's starting to pick up again. So I have some auditions in the works. And then for filming, same thing. Adam Sandler's filming a film here in Philly. And my agency's booking some roles for that. So they're trying to get me in on that. And we'll see what happens because this is a new development. It's called uh, Hustle or whatever. And it's a Netflix film that Adam Sandler's making here. Um, and he's been all around the city. 
So all this stuff is finally back and it's kind of all just kicked off in the last like month and a half, you know, like month, month and a half. So definitely have my auditions and stuff in for all that. We'll see where that goes. And then in the meantime, just continuing to like make things happen for me. I'm trying to write another short film. I have the script finished. I have a meeting in October actually with like my production crew that I worked with last time. Plus some more people I've met to just see like, Hey, you know, do you want to make another short film guys? Like, Let's keep doing that. Let's keep pushing and making our own stuff and getting that out there. So that's where my head's at now, kind of just like getting back into the groove I was in because like, you know, I got to stay in that groove and just like keep pushing. So that's where I'm at like today. Well, the last time I spoke to your brother, I said, you know what? I really believe Miranda is going to be huge. And he was like, what do you mean? What's going on? And I was like, nothing's going on. I'm just predicting it now that she's going to be a really big deal. So I'd like to mark that on my podcast now that I'm saying Miranda Martin is going to be a big deal. And you heard her here first on the Brian Reznor experiment. Thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know it's an interesting one that everyone's going to want to hear. But before I let you go, I have to say, if there are people out there in small towns with the kind of talent that you have and, and the kind of vision that you have, what advice would you give to them for them to get on the next level like you have? I think for one don't ever think that it's silly. Don't think you can't do something just because of where you're based. And two, like what I've been talking about this whole time is always like create your own opportunities. If those things don't exist, find a way to make it happen. You know, like I've heard like, you know, of artists and rappers, like making microphones out of like the little like iPhone headphones, you know what I mean? And like recording their own stuff. Like you, you just have to make things happen for yourself sometimes. And I think it's easy to get in this like oh, I'm from a small town and it's so boring. Like, what was me mindset? But like, you, you got to push, you know, you got to push, you got to make these things happen. And then too, like, you know, at a certain point, if, if that's not working for you, don't be afraid to like switch directions. You know, like I said, I've, I've tried acting, but then I've been like, hey, you know, the money's in modeling right now. I got to, you know what I mean? Go try that. They're related fields. Try that. Try writing, try set design, whatever. Just like create opportunities for yourself. And if you really can't do that or can't find one, don't be afraid to like switch lanes, you know, like experiment, explore, like just never sit in your comfort zone. Cause I think that that's the killer. That'll certainly just like stall you. And yeah, it can be scary to do this stuff but don't get comfortable complacency is the uh, the enemy of progress that is 100 percent true yes. so thank you so much for being here with me today we've got more of the show coming with on the next episode we are going to hear from chucky campbell who has got a brand new song called basic that i want you to check out now getting ready for the next episode's big interview here's chucky campbell with basic on the brian Rester experiment okay boomer i might need you to sit back and chill the future is supercomputers that automate driving inside of mobiles. What could be real if truth is a product of how many bots have clicked on a link? They say they want all of the smoke, but trust me, they don't, cause this isn't deep. You're basic, you're basic, you're basic. You're Karen, you're Katie, you're Annie, you're Amy, you're Barbara, Jennifer, Becky, and Stacy. You copy, you're clone of bad information, dated and old and uneducated. An anti corretic of past generations, a follower, following followers, nah. Basic, you're basic, you're basic. You're Karen, you're Katie, you're Annie, you're Amy, you're Barbara, Jennifer, Becky, and Stacy. You copy, you're clone, not even a selfie. You're fake, you're an actor, you're YouTuber famous. A lame in the poses, so shallow and fake, and a follower, following followers, nah. Uh, are we empty and hollow inside? We can run, but there's nowhere to hide. 
tell ourselves that we're living our best life But really we don't feel alive What we do for we share what we like Hugs over Uber is simply a swipe Think we could Google that answers despite Hacking computers for data to mine Algorithms, search engine design More information than ever before Let's prepare to detect all the lies Well it's true that these boomers are clueless And scared of the future they left them behind We're no better if based on the world they created We're wasted and basic and blind oh. You're basic, you're basic, you're basic, you're Karen, you're Katie, you're Annie, you're Amy, you're Barbara, Jennifer, Becky, you're Stacy, you're Copy, you're Clone, not even a selfie, you're faker, an actor, you're YouTuber famous, a lame and a poser, so shallow and faking, a follower, following followers, nah. You're basic, you're basic, you're basic, you're Karen, you're Katie, you're Annie, you're Amy, you're Barbara, Jennifer, Becky, you're Stacy, you're Copy, you're Clone, with bad information, dated and old and uneducated, an antique, a relic of past generations, a follower, following followers, nah. The young blame it all on the old The old blame it back on the young But it's too basic to blame anyone Harder to face it and learn from mistakes That have made it the basis of what we become Are Democrats liberal cucks? Are Republicans racist and dumb? When neither are willing to do what it takes To confront what is darker in us Say pull yourself up by your bootstraps We're distracted by YouTube and phone apps But you're stuck in an era that's long past And fake news keep feeding you all facts So afraid you believe in the false flags you're basic, you're basic, you're basic, you're Karen, you're Katie, you're Annie, you're Amy, you're Barbara, Jennifer, Becky, you're Stacy, you're Copy, you're Clone, not even a selfie, you're faker, an actor, you're YouTuber famous, a lame and a poser, so shallow and faking, a follower, following followers, nah. You're basic, you're basic, you're basic, you're Karen, you're Katie, you're Annie, you're Amy, you're Barbara, Jennifer, Becky, you're Stacy, you're Copy, you're Clone, with bad information, dated and old and uneducated. An antique, a relic of past generations of follower, follow and followers now. Welcome back to the Brian Reznor Experiment. It is now time for our discussion panel, which this week is about weight loss. Normally, we talk about politics here for over an hour. But today, we are going to talk about some type of self-help, and that is losing some weight. You see people that have lost a bunch of weight, and you always just want to sit down and have a conversation with them and just say how? And that is why I brought two my first two guests here. And my first two guests are Danny Adkins and Adam Thomas, who are both very successful in the weight loss game. We'll start with you, Danny. Danny, where did your weight loss journey begin? It began in January. It would have been 2019. I just took a notion. I got through the holidays. I got tired of feeling miserable. You know, I ate to comfort life and pain and misery and hid behind that veil for a while. And then after the holidays was over, I just decided I was tired of having to get people to put my shoes on for me in time and assist me like picking stuff up off the floor that catching my breath putting pants on just it was time to make a change because I knew that I wasn't going to be here very much longer if I didn't I've seen too many of my friends let it get the best of them so. how, how much did you weigh at this point at my heaviest what I known was a little over 400 pounds and then I dropped down I might need to get on his plan because he went a little bit further but like I told you earlier before we come online that I had to kind of lay off a little bit I was getting too aggressive with it and was getting kind of uh, the skin that comes with it when you lose that much. You know, you don't want to have excessive skin if you can avoid it because that's another, that'd be another surgery or something if you wanted to go that route. But right. I got down to uh, 238 was the lowest I got. So how do you keep from from getting the excess skin? What's the, what's the plan on that? Well, he may have a different outlook when you get to him, but here's my outlook on it. You have to go pretty extreme at first because you're so overweight. Uh, you got to get to where you can 
lose weight to get to where you can feel like even exercising or exerting energy uh, because it's miserable. Every doctor tells you lose weight, you'll feel better. But the problem is you feel so bad, you're inhibited by the weight itself. You can't do exercise. It hurts to walk or it did for me. So once you lose the initial big cut, which is like usually 60, 50, 60 pounds, your energy level starts coming back. Your system starts resetting. uh, Your brain starts, you know, instead of storing fats, because of inactivity, your brain starts metabolizing and you start functioning like a human being again and you start really feeling better. So then then you get to a point where you start seeing the weight, everybody starts telling you about it. So then you've got to decide what you're going to do. So I decided after about a year and I got to where I was at a comfortable weight to move around and function that I wanted to take three months off, not start eating bad, but just not being so strict because your body's got to have, I went the carb route to start things. Cause yeah, I was getting ready to say like, you can, shape. you can easily say, Hey, you just lo- start by losing 60 pounds. But a lot of people are like losing 60 pounds. How do I do that? So what was your process there? And, and obviously you said you went for a year. How long, I guess my, it starts with how do you do it? And how long does it take? Well, I kind of set a goal. I wanted to see under 300. That was kind of the first initial goal. And I was very aggressive to get to that number. And then I was doing so well, I just kept kind of rolling with it, and I got down to the 270s. But at that point, I started seeing, I'm just like anybody else, you start losing it in your face, your shoulders, your arms, and it makes your stomach look even bigger. And I can see where people would become anorexic over time because no matter what you see in the mirror, you get it in your mindset, you get obsessive sometimes. So I didn't want to get in that either because I've known people that have done that. So after about a year, I decided to take three months off, eat normal. Uh, I was losing so much strength during exercise and stuff. And that was important with, you know, what I was doing. So I needed to keep strength. And then I would go aggressive for three more months because I didn't want to lose motivation. And I kept active. I kept active the whole time. I'm saying with the the diet itself. Um, But the motivation to keep going for me was no matter how good a food tastes or whatever I wanted to eat, it wasn't worth the pain that come with it and stuff of that nature. So I liked the way I was feeling. I had energy. I felt like I was in my 20s and 30s again instead of almost being 50 years old. I really wasted my 40s with too much weight on my body. All right, so take me to what you eat on a day-to-day basis when you're when you're on this when, when you're on this lifestyle change. It's not really a diet. You can't really say diet yeah, anymore, it's right? It's not a diet. No. It's it's a lifestyle no, change. So what do you eat when you wake up on this lifestyle change? You eat what first? Okay, so where I went the carb route or the keto route or whatever you want to call it, intermediate fasting and stuff. And I was doing this without even knowing it. So I get up typically at the time when I started this, I was still working at 5 a.m. So I get up at 3 a.m. I got to get all pretty and all, you know. So I get up at 3 (laughs) a.m. and uh, get ready. Uh, And I just usually pop, and this is going to be probably a totally different story than you're going to get from Adam because I'm going carbs and eating meat. And I think he was telling me he went a different route. So I'm excited to hear his story. So I would wake up and eat pepperoni or cheese, these high fat items that take a long time for your stomach to process. Okay, so basically Jimmy Jones, our mutual friend, old Jimmy, guitar Jimmy, he told me about this years ago and explained to me. You know, he's in he's in the medical field. He explained to me basically how it worked. Then I looked into yeah, it. He's he's it. one of the one of the smartest one of the smartest guys in the medical field that I've talked to that isn't actually a doctor, and and he's right. also one of the best guitar players in the whole state of West Virginia. Yeah, any style of music too. Yes, yeah. anything. Jimmy's awesome. Yeah, you got it. I mean, and, and Wade Wright could actually actually attest to that too. And yeah. that's a different story. Yeah. If he wasn't so, uh, uh, still buried in that coal mine, yeah, he is, man. Lost. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Jimmy told me he said so. Basically, you're going to input fat, and I said, well, that makes no sense. He said, but here's how it works. You're going to give your body fat, so you have all this stored fat. So I'm not giving my body the carbs or the calories that it needs to process. So your body has to have energy to burn stored fat. So you eat this fat, so it has to use the stored fat off your body. So you're 
you're eating yourself, just like any diet is. But I don't like sweets that much, even before I went on a diet. So sweets wasn't my problem. A carb diet will not work for somebody that craves sweets, that cannot turn down sweets. It's just not going to work. But for people that have pretty good self-control, this is a very strict lifestyle change. Uh, bread, no. Potatoes, no. Uh, the, the sugar and stuff, I, like I said, I wasn't a big pop drink. Well, I was, but I cut it out. But I like pop alcohol. I had to cut out alcohol. I drink on occasion, uh, but I don't drink from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. You know, so that takes into the, the play. And, and I stay off of social media as much as possible because being motivated and staying out in front of a TV, that has really helped me a lot because winter is hard up here, man. You know that. That's pretty much how I started doing it. And then at night, as weird as this sounds, right before going to bed, I would eat a handful of like little pieces of cubed cheese or ham or something, something that takes time. And then you're actually losing weight at night. Now, here's the funny thing. Everybody will tell you you'll get heart disease and all this stuff that comes with fat. Okay, Jimmy Jones is the person told me, he said, if you stick with it, make a lifestyle change and cut the gluten and all that bread and all that stuff out. He said, your cholesterol, your blood pressure, it will go down no matter. And they won't be able to tell you why. And hey, I went and got my blood work done three months ago and I'm as healthy as I have been probably since I was 20 years old blood work wise. So and, um, and just to start blood pressure medicine, you were right over 400 pounds and right now and right now you are where? Uh, right now, I'm sitting. I actually weighed myself right before we started this. I'm at 258. 258. And I did that. Like a, yeah, I put on about 10 pounds because we're trying to do the arm wrestling thing. So I need all the ass I can get. That is right. You were an arm wrestling <laughs> champion of sorts. Is that That's correct, right? Well, I'm a, a motivator, teacher, instructor, participant. I don't know if I'm ever going to be a champion. But I tell you what, I enjoy the sport. And uh, I attest that it saved my life, just being active. It gave me something to uh, better myself and better the area. I'm just like you. I want to promote. You know, I want to get word out here about this show, about music, about, you know, I've always been into helping my friends. So, yeah, the arm wrestling is something dear to my heart. It's really awesome, too, if you ever get a chance to Where can they watch this stuff? To give, give them the give them the information well, well i appreciate that we actually have a, a youtube page aftermath arms if you search us and uh, just put aftermath arms or an arm wrestling behind it if you want to and it should bring us up and we're located in southern west virginia um i actually interacted with mr Reznor several times when he was in west virginia i miss him being up here but anyway you can go to our page on there and check us out follow us we got arm wrestling instruction videos practice videos tournament videos and if you want to get into arm wrestling, contact us, hit us up, especially if you're in this area. And we'd love to let you come try it. It ain't about being a champion. It's about just getting better within yourself. We don't beat up on each other. Well, we do, but we get better. As long as you get better within yourself. Same and, thing with the weight loss. And it's very entertaining stuff. And, and you know, you are on the same lifestyle change, the road that I've been trying to be on. I'm not 100% successful with it all the time. Sometimes I lose interest in it. And then I always remember why I had interest in it to begin with. So I, I go back and forth, which is not any way to do this, but I think I'm going to jump on on full bore very soon. But another person that is on this panel today is Adam Thomas. And Adam Thomas, you lost a ton of weight and you did it a little yes, bit sir. differently. Now you started out at 400 and how much? 25 pounds. 425 pounds and got all the way down to? About 192 now. 192. Awesome. Like that you lost like two other people. Yes. My brothers, like I said, both of my brothers, man, they uh both used to get in one of the pants legs and walk around the house and laugh. That's how big I was. 64 waist. 64 now, waist. Yes, yeah, sir. And now I'm down to about a 40, 38, 40. Now, your story, I heard a little bit of it before we started recording, and it seems unbelievable, but I want to hear it anyway. You obviously know how to lose weight because you've lost a ridiculous amount. Tell us how you did it. 
Okay, well, it started back. I drove trucks for about 10 years. So, you know, while, of course, you drive, all you do is eat. That's it. Eat and drive. Sleep, eat, drive. That's it. So, uh, in 2009, I came off the road to take care of my dad. Um, He got sick with diabetes. So, came off the road in 2010 when I got ready to go back on the road. I found out that I was a diabetic. Well, at that time, I weighed about 425. What I'd done, uh, I tried the weightlifting thing, the, the go exercise, this and that. Well, of course, I lost about 25, roughly about 25, 30 pounds, but I still weighed about 395. I weighed about 380 when I met you. Wow. First time I met you, I weighed about 380. I was a big boy. You were. You were a big <laughs> um, boy. That's for sure. Yes, sir. So um, I guess around 2017, 2018, somewhere around there, I knew there was no way I could stay away from foods because I love food too much. I mean, I don't care what it is. I like to eat. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just what we eat here in West Virginia. You know, we like food. But anyways, right. what I've done, um, I took something that I like, uh, grapefruits. I didn't read up on it or nothing like that, but I started I bought a jar of it from uh, Kroger's for about eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine. And I started eating that during the daytime so I wouldn't eat, you know, steaks and all the good stuff that we enjoy. So I just started eating those and I wasn't paying attention to the weight loss. I had gave up on trying to lose weight. But um, at nighttime, I would eat what I want. Didn't care what it was. Uh, but during the daytime, while I was working, I was working at Ibex back then. Um, I would eat what I want. And um, next thing you know, I started dropping weight. Well, people started noticing it. But I was like, man, you're crazy. I ain't doing nothing different. I'm still eating, you know, pretty much whatever I wanted. But I didn't realize that the grapefruits was burning fat all through the day. Didn't I didn't realize that. If you read up on an unsweet grapefruit, as long as you don't put a lot of sugar on it or whatever, because I'm a diabetic, it, grapefruits help burn your, burn carbs. Right. Help speed up your metabolism. So I started drinking a lot of water, eating those, and uh, I went from 385 down to 340, and I was like, wow, this thing is really working. Next thing you know, within six months, I went from 340 to like 280. I was like, wow. And how quick and is this? Like, what's the timeline on this? How quick? Um, within six months. Within six months, I had lost another 50 or 60 pounds. Within and six months. And I was months. like, what is going on? So when I got down to 285, I quit eating grapefruits because I didn't realize that that's what was doing it. Um, so you were doing this all by mistake. Like, you just, you just like grapefruits. Yeah, yeah, you were this, just eating grapefruits and didn't realize it was burning your fat constantly. That is correct. I had no idea that I was losing weight behind what I was doing. I just had took a liking to it. I couldn't have sugar because I'm a diabetic, so I couldn't have sugar. So I had to find something that I could eat that didn't have sugar in it. And, you know, if you get, like, juices or, like, like he said, pop or anything like that, you got all that stuff that you can't have being a diabetic. Well, I wanted to go back and drive trucks, but um, so I was trying to find anything that would work to help me get to that point. Well, that didn't work out, you know, well, of course, you know, I'm still taking the insulin or whatever. But at the same time, I did lose a ton of weight behind this method that I had no idea works at all. So did it, it obviously helped with your diabetes a lot, right? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I said, I've dropped a ton of weight. Um, still trying to work on getting the um, my A1C under control. But as far as like he said, uh, your your blood pressure and all that, my blood pressure is back under control. The only thing I'm working on now is my sugar level. At the same time, like I said, you start dropping weight. I am experiencing the part where he said uh, you lose a lot of strength and all that. So I'm going to have to get back in the gym to get my strength up because the excess fat does happen because I lost weight way too fast. Yeah. Not knowing, you know what I mean? Not knowing what's going on. So it's always... 
you always going to have to do something to keep your body up. So I do have to get back in the gym for that. But as far as like, uh, my blood pressure, um, my heart rate, all that. Cause I, you know, I had to be on, um, high blood pressure pills while I was so big. I don't have to do that now. So wow. all that changed. But like I said, I ate a ton of, I, I still to this day eat, <laughs> eat grapefruits. I just buy a jar, sit down when I get hungry, I eat them all through the day. And like at nighttime, I might have me a steak. Uh, I eat whatever I want. Uh, it's no restrictions. That's what I was going to say. So, that, me, so let me just get this straight. So you eat okay. whatever you want to at night and That's you, correct. you eat grapefruit during the day anytime you get hungry you just eat some grapefruit no breakfast no no that's what i eat for breakfast also the breakfast lunch and drink water breakfast yeah. lunch and 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 snacks is all water and grapefruit and then at night you eat whatever you want and you just lose weight like crazy for a year and you're down to you're under 200 pounds and you yeah, went from 425 so you've dropped you know 225 plus pounds doing this yes that is correct buddy um i weigh two Last year, I weighed probably roughly about 225, 230. So, no, the beginning of this year, I'm sorry. Beginning of this year, I weighed about 230, and I'm down to 192. And I'm not doing anything special. Like and I you said, had um, no idea. You had, had no idea. Crazy. I read up on the grapefruit thing, um, I think, about seven or eight months ago and realized grapefruit is what done it. Because if you read up on it, it'll tell you that it will do all the things I told you it would do. And I I found it on mistake. Nobody told me I couldn't stop eating. I just tried to find something with no sugar in it. And that's what I found. That's insane. Like how many 425 pound people just slip and, uh, and fall into a weight loss program that works so well? Right. Not absolutely, many. buddy. Not I had many. no idea. Like it was a mistake. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a mistake. I was just trying to Cause I mean, when you're a diabetic, you, I used to not eat a lot of sugar, but when you become a diabetic, your body craves sugar. I don't know why that is. I, I'm not a doctor, but it craves sugar. So for me to, to stop eating sugar, I had to find something to, you know, curb that, that appetite. So I found unsweet grapefruits. It didn't have no sugar in. I said, let's go with it. So <laughs> I took a liking to it. It's weird, but I took a liking to it and it worked. That's I'm here now, buddy. It worked. That is absolutely insane. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. All right. My third guest, he tried a completely different method, which involved surgery. And that's why I brought him on. I wanted to see what the process was. And now we'd like to welcome Harold Vi, who is also from West Virginia. And he tried some surgery and you've lost a ton of weight with this. When you started, where were you at pound wise? 475 pounds 475 that is the biggest of the entire panel you were you were the largest man on the panel here today and you are now weighing in at 222 pounds this morning 222 pounds this morning so that is a ton of freaking weight and you know when people think about the lap band surgery they think that it's the easy way out but it's not as easy as people think, huh? No, it is not. Well, your lap band, lap band is less evasive than, than the gastric bypass. Oh, okay, so there's a difference so, there. So I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what, what the difference is. What is the difference between lap band and gastric, gastric bypass? Well, I, too, am no doctor. But, you know, with the gastric bypass, is, you know, the lap band can be taken out. You know, you don't cut the stomach. They put... From what I'm understanding, they put the band around your stomach, and it can be adjusted and can be removed. And um, 
with the gastric bypass, it um, completely, you know, they cut the stomach out. It's called, who's called it? A ruin Y is what they call the gastric bypass that I had. Interesting. There's several different versions of it, but the ruin Y is the most, most common. So what made you, uh, what made you decide to go with the uh, gastric bypass and instead of a lap band or or just traditional dieting? Well, traditional dieting, you know, it's, it's it's hard to lose that kind of weight. You know? Well, what originally started the whole process is that I needed a hip replacement surgery, and they will not do a hip replacement surgery unless your body fat is at a certain certain on their scale. Of you know, so I had to lose see down to two hundred and fifty pounds before I could get the surgeries. Wow! So this is something that you had to have, or else you were not going to get your hip replacement. Right, right. And you right. probably needed the hip replacement because of all the weight. Well, you know, yes, yes. Um, actually, the reason why I needed the hip replacement really wasn't because of the weight, but the weight wasn't helping. Right. You know, in in the meantime, you know where. Um, I had so much weight, and you know, I, I, I rode a lawnmower for a living, and there's no suspension on lawnmowers, so all that jumping up and down ruptured five discs in my lower back, and wow. and you know, ruptured disc and, and bulging disc in my in, in my back due to all the weight. So now, not only do I need the hip replacement, I also need the back surgery. So, so wow, this any of that the, the more weight you have, the more risky the surgery is, and the more more, so more complications you could have. That's what I was going to say. This weight has basically been working against you the entire time you had it. Yes. So that, of course, you know, that's why you would want to uh, to go with the gastric bypass. But what is the preparation for getting ready to even jump on something like this? Well, you know, you first, you know, you got to find your doctor and they put you through a program um, to prepare you for the drastic change that you have to have in your eating and um, you have to learn to eat much better because you know, when they take away where, where you can't eat very much, you have to eat lots of protein because you know that's what you, your body has to have the protein. And um, so basically, they you have to train yourself to eat and they will drink those protein shakes. And you know, it's a big, big part. You have to drink protein shakes or you go through, you know, you, you don't ever have any energy and it causes you a lot of problems. Now, this is after the surgery, correct? Yes. Well, what's the preparation you, going into the you surgery? Have to, um, yeah. Well, what you have to do, they have you lose weight first. You have to show them that you are serious about losing weight and that you can take care of yourself and eat correctly before they'll give you the surgery. So how much weight did how much weight did you lose before you could actually have the surgery? Well, that I went through this process several different times. I was going to the uh, WVU um, Morgantown the first first time I went, and then they said I had to lose sixty pounds in like a three month period. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it is very hard to do, especially with the eating habits that I had then. And, um, so I couldn't do it. Uh, you know, I think I lost 20 pounds. Well, then I had to start the process all over again. So second time I went through it, I wasn't able to do it again either. I started getting fed up with it and I decided I was going to try one more time. So I went through it again and tried to lose the weight and it, it, I just, it was just 
hard, you know. That's why I needed surgery for to help me lose the weight. But yeah, I couldn't get past that hump. So a friend of mine, uh, Amy, you, you know Amy, she had a had the uh, lap band or, or the sleeve, you know, had the sleeve done. And she was telling me about her doctor, which was uh, with the CAMC Weight Loss Center in Charleston. And I reached out to them, reached out to them and, and spoke with them and got in their program. And, you know, the, their goals were not as lofty as they were at WVU. I think that WVU um, put those goals in there to intentionally make them hard to, um, I don't know, to get you to come back, to get the money. I, I'm not real sure what their reasoning was for having to lose that much weight. I, I do understand they want you to learn how to eat right. So, you know, after surgery, you won't have the complications. So, with the WVU, uh, way, like I said, I went, went to CAMC and um, lost the weight that they required. And you know, they, they run you through. Every time you go through this process, you know, they check and make sure you're able to go through the surgery. They check your lungs. They check your heart. They just check everything. And they make sure that you're psychologically, um, you know, they give you a psych test to make sure that you, so that you can handle this big, drastic change in, in and everything because when you get when I went to the surgery, I mean everything about me changed. The, the things that I liked, um, the, the taste I had for things, and uh, uh, Stephanie, my wife, she always said that it changed the way I thought my thought process a lot, and I, and I believe it did. And um, you know, there after the surgery, I started losing weight. I, there, the, the month of January. I just couldn't eat. I had, um, like I see, I've got double, I need double hip replacement, lower back surgery. I mean, a lot of pain. And, you know, they will not give you pain medication any longer. So I'd always been taking those uh, 800 milligram ibuprofen. But when you get the gastric bypass surgery, you cannot take ibuprofen because it eats holes in the stomach that you have. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. And I started getting ulcers. So it made it virtually impossible to, to eat anything. And, you know, after four months of drinking nothing but protein shakes, I was so sick of drinking protein shakes. Yeah. Right. Everybody said, well, you know, you try this. Everybody said, you try that and try this. It all was horrible. It just you didn't like any flavor. All of them started tasting like chalk. And so the whole month of January, I pretty much just didn't eat. And. I started going through uh, malnutrition, which made my problems worse because I wasn't thinking correctly at all. And um, I, yeah, I, it caused me trouble in my, in my marriage. I mean, it's it, it is it destroyed my marriage basically, and uh, it caused me a lot of problems with with my friends, and my family, and, and my business, and and um, I'm still struggling with it. You know, so I finally sat down in February. In March, and, and started eating better, and forcing myself to eat some, and you know I was able to get some carafate to help my the ulcers in my stomach, and uh, it was it, it was a, it was rough. It sounds it like uh, sounds like a really rough process. So, how long yeah. exactly did it take you to heal from the surgery? Um, physically, yeah, um, two months. Yeah, you know, I still have I still have pains in there sometimes. I don't know where they come from, but yeah, you know, I still have. Have pains in my gut, but I'm not sure where they 
are generated from or you know, but I still have pain from but psychologically you know it, you know all that happened all that I went through it made life hard so question is it worth it is it worth it to get the surgery and lose all that weight with all the problems that you've had afterwards Brian that is a really tough question right there um in some aspects, yes, very much so. Was it worth losing, you know, my family? And, you know, with, with you know, I'm, a lot of people say, you know, it's a cop-out blame, blaming, blaming surgery on, on you, destroying my, my relationship with, with my wife and my family. But uh, something happened there and changed the way I was thinking. And, you know, I think it was malnutrition and, and not eating correctly. But, uh, you know, and another thing, you know, I thought I'd lose all this weight. My hip would feel better. My back would feel better. Well, it doesn't. It feels worse. Um, I have no cushion to sit on. You know, I used to have big old butts sit on. Well, now I don't have that. Now I'm just sitting on uh, bones and skin. Right. And you know, I'm laying in bed at night. And I have no cushion for uh, you know, for everything to sit on. It increased my pain by quite a quite a bit. You know, I'm in more pain now than I was before the surgery. But you know, now I can get my other surgeries. In my hip replacement, but you know this. Yeah, I have one hip done. Then you have to wait six months to have the other hip done. And um, with COVID, the been the you know, COVID had just hit when I got my gastric bypass surgery. You know, then I went in, and you know, the, the it's like the nurses didn't want to help you because they were scared of COVID. They didn't want to get near nobody. So, so I had my surgery, and you know, they would let nobody in the hospital to help me. And so my wife would sit out in the parking lot, and we you know we would talk on on my Skype, but you know, uh, Facebook live and couldn't get no help to do anything. Couldn't get out of bed to use the bathroom. You know, and, and it was, it, it was rough. Well, man, you it paint a picture rough. here. You, I mean, you, you honestly paint a picture of a situation that I would never want to be in. And, and I mean, really uh, the, this next question is pretty important is would you do it again? I mean, if you, if you could go back in time and you were there faced with the same exact situation and you were like, Hey, I've got to lose this weight do I get this surgery? Would you say yes? Well, Brian, you know, I was facing, um, uh, I was borderline diabetic. I, I was right there. My, you know, my brother and my sisters, they had diabetes. And, you know, that's, that's not good. That's something that I, I don't have to worry about. You know, that, that's pretty much taking care of itself. If I can get my hips straightened up, you know, at least now, you know, I can see where there will be a better future. But as of right now, I haven't seen it. Yeah, but, but the biggest thing that that's cost me, you know, like I said, is 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 my marriage, and and you know, I I, I turned snappy and and you know and, and mean, which I never I never never meant meant to do that, and uh, I think I've done that to where I've made problems that will never never be fixed. So you know. But I guess you would uh, you would say it's uh, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress for sure. You know, if I had it ever again, yes, I would prepare myself a little bit better. And uh, psychologically, you know, everybody's different. I mean, I've talked to people that's had the surgery and didn't have a bit of those problems. You know, I've, I've talked to people that that's had the surgery and and you know then they're already gaining weight. You know, I didn't want to lose no more than I want to get down to two twenty five. That's just where I wanted to be and. Uh, it looks like I'm going to you know, down to 222 now, and there's I don't know where it's going to stop, you know, because I really can't eat. You know, I can you know, uh, steak. I love steak. Yeah, you know, I can eat a little bit, but I can have a couple bites, and then I'm so full that you know, if I eat anymore, I'll puke. Well, know, like, that's another big thing. Overeating could actually kill you at this point. 
Well, when, when you first have the surgery done, you, you know, you're a, a lot more successful with that. You know, rip, ripping the incisions, you know, and then leaking, you know, you, you know going septic. And, and for the first couple of months, that is way more of a problem than it is now. You know, so I've healed up pretty well, but still, you know, if, if I eat too much now, I'll, I'll, I'll puke. I do it quite often. And most times dry heaves. About every morning, you know, I, I get get dry heaves and, and uh, every morning I try to if I eat anything or drink anything first thing in the morning it makes me sick so you know I try to wait around a little bit and you know, let that get past and before I you know eat or drink anything I take my medicine because a, a lot of times I'll take my medicine then I'll pick it right back up and man I, your I, I totally respect your decision to to do it again if you had that opportunity but but it sounds fucking awful <laughs> it was it's not the best experience okay but what was my other my other option my other option yeah i, I kept gaining weight five six hundred pounds you know right. i wouldn't have to worry about you know losing my wife I had to worry about crushing her right <laughs> rolling over rolling over in my sleep yeah you know. i understand <laughs> yeah you know, i couldn't really do nothing couldn't play with my kids you know you couldn't get on ride motorcycles or or you know just Get out of breath whenever you try, try to try to move or run. You know, with my hips the way it was, I couldn't do nothing anyway. Um, so it's all worth it. Kind of, you know, in my opinion, you know, later, later, hopefully, I can get get my mind right and uh, get everything straightened out to where it, it will be a better experience. Well, we hope the absolute best for you, sir. And and I thank you very much for joining us and telling us your story. Your story will be helpful for people who are listening who are trying to make these same exact decisions. You know, I would say to them, you know, don't just take you know, my story as how you're going to turn out because there's lots of different stories out there. Get on the, you know, they've got support groups on Facebook for the gastric bypass um, people that's going into it. Those can, you can learn a lot from those groups. People, you know, we got hundreds of people going through the same experiences and people, you know, that, that hasn't had it yet ask questions that you didn't think about that you can see on those groups and those have helped a lot and uh like i said they my experience is, is not typical i think if you're that kind of you got that kind of weight on you and doctor on you need it you know, listen to them listen to your doctor that is the uh is your doctor you know and you know had i done some things probably a little bit better my results may have been better you know because I'm, I'm not one for really listening to much direction for what else somebody else says and yeah i think that that's caused me a lot of problems with with my case so well thank you so much for joining us and thank you for listening all right so we learned about three very different paths that you can take to lose a ton of weight what path is best for you well, that is up to you. On the next episode, you can expect an exclusive interview with Chucky Campbell. If you don't know who Chucky Campbell is, then you definitely need to check out the next episode of the Brian Reznor Experiment. And next week, our panel will go back to politics as we discuss the future of America with four different ideologies. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. And do not forget to join the Focus Group of Res on Facebook, where you can go to put your two cents in on the content that we provide. Thank you so much for staying with me today and checking out the show. I hope to see you right here Wednesday when the next new episode comes out, episode nine. Remember, folks, positivity is the secret to life. Logic is omnipotent. Truth is infallible. And life is opportunity. 
Keep smiling, folks. It's worth it. We'll see you next time on The Brian Reznor Experiment. The Brian Reznor Experiment on Superior Radio Network. I'm looking for the good life, good life. Sitting on top of the world. I want to be shining like diamonds and pearls. I want you to go there with me, girl. I'm looking for the good life, good life. Baby, we can have it all. We can make love by the waterfalls. I'm living that good life after all. La da da da. Good life, good life, sitting by the fire. A lot that day, good life, good life, feeling that breeze. A lot that da da, good life, good life, taking you higher. A lot that day, good life, good life, coming with me. Got my lady and I got my shine. Money in my pocket and we're feeling fine. Radio's loud and we're playing sublime. I think it's gonna be a good day, my oh my. I made it this far, it's a miracle Floating in the clouds now, used to be miserable Never looking back since I changed my ways I'm on that good life tip today I'm looking for the good life, good life Sitting on top of the world I wanna be shining like diamonds and pearls I want you to go there with me, girl I'm looking for the good life, good life Baby, we can have it all We can make love by the waterfalls I'm living that good La da da da, good life, good life, sitting by the fire. Uh, la da day, good life, good life, feeling that breeze. La da da da, good life, good life, taking you higher. This has been a product of Superior Radio Network. This is not just a podcast. House of Cafe with Brian Resner and Stephen New. This is a tribe of devoted superfans that have crashed through the barricades, torn down barriers, and broken through the fourth wall. This is a creative think tank full of people who have given way too much of their lives to professional wrestling to not be getting a paycheck. This is a secret society of elite fans from all over the globe. And guess what? It isn't a secret anymore. House of Kayfabe, featuring Jim Cornette's lawyer, Stephen P. New, is available now on all major podcast platforms. Just click subscribe to join the Kayfabe stream and get access to unbelievable interviews, in-depth discussions, hilarious segments, and exclusive content. This is the fan-driven podcast you have been looking for. House of Kayfabe, with Brian Resner and Stephen New. At the law office of Stephen New, we take a team approach to your case. Our staff and paralegals are excellent and will assist you through every step of your case. We employ world-class experts to make sure that your case is developed to its maximum value. When you seek legal counsel, choose Stephen New and his team. They'll work together to achieve the best results for your case and support you every step of the way. Our clients, why we do what we do at the Law Office of Stephen New.